Amen. Appreciate that song. It's beautiful. Take your Bibles this morning. Open the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. As we're continuing our study through the book of Ephesians on Sunday mornings. And um, Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm just going to put it out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no cartwheels. <laughs> No cartwheels, right? And uh, if I attempted one, I would break my neck. And I'd rather like my neck and rather not break it, right? <laughs> um, no, man, I'm telling you, what a great, great revival. Appreciate uh, Brother Dignan. And uh, he said to make sure to tell you hi this morning. And uh, they miss being here, uh, but obviously um, glad to be home there at their church in Missouri. Uh, but just praise the Lord for what he did. And... Uh, it's exciting to, to see that, and um, uh, obviously we'll look forward to trying to give them back sometime as well. Uh, hopefully, Lord willing, the whole family, uh, they sing together and things, and that was great. And uh, what a privilege to be able to see, um, to even see him be able to preach and sign at the same time. And uh, I, I can't imagine, uh, I know that's, you know, ASL is his first language, and English is a second language, but... Um, I can't imagine just the, the mental stress that that probably took having to do both at the same time, and, uh, but yet willing to do it, knowing that there, we had some uh, deaf people that were here with us for the services, and what a joy to see them uh, put their faith in Christ. Amen. Uh, praise God for that. That was a blessing. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. Uh, we've been in this passage for a couple weeks looking at the work of the Son. Uh, we saw in the, the early part of this chapter uh, the blessing of the Father, but now we're looking at the work of the Son. And in verse number 7, he says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood." Of course, that's Jesus Christ. "...the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will." according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ." Father, again, we pray that you would just bless in the service now, Lord, in the preaching and the message. Use it to speak to hearts. Uh, Lord, we do pray if there might be someone that does not know Christ as their Savior. Uh, Lord, may be present, maybe on live stream. Uh, Lord, that today you'd help them to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way that they can be saved from their sin. And they'd be willing to put their faith and trust in you. Uh, Lord, for Christians this morning, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted. Uh, Lord, I know throughout this, the preaching of the revival, you, you spoke to hearts, and Lord, may we continue that. May we allow our hearts to be yielded and tender to what you'd have for us, uh, even as we continue moving forward in the life of our church. Lord, just bless this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we saw last, or really two weeks ago, because last week we had our revival, uh, but two weeks ago we saw how God has revealed this mystery. Um, and he speaks about that in verse number uh, 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. And we just kind of, we were looking at that a little bit uh, two weeks ago, and we're going to kind of finish that. Really, this is kind of a, a part two of that, of the mystery of his will. And uh, the mystery, 
is that one day, he says in verse number 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both of which in heaven and which on earth, even in him. And so he says, one day God is going to unite everything in Christ. All of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, one day all those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will be brought into one place to live with him forevermore. What a great day that's going to be, amen? And uh, that's something that he says, hey, this was a mystery that, that uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't known. God knew it, but man didn't. And so he's revealing this mystery. And, and don't ever forget what this mystery is, that, uh, that we are able to be in Jesus Christ, that we're able to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what he says back up in verse number 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It is only through Jesus Christ that we're able to have our sins forgiven. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can have uh, that assurance of salvation and knowing uh, that our sins have been forgiven because what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Don't ever forget that, that it is only through Jesus Christ. But there's a second part to the mystery here. Is forgiveness of sins all there is to this mystery? Is that all that there is in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins? Is that, is that it? Well, well, your sins are forgiven. Okay, well, that's, that's good. Is that it? No, that's not it. It's not just that our sins are forgiven. And this is what this, this we're looking at this morning. He says, yes, one day those who have their sins forgiven will one day be with him forever. But notice in verse number 11. He says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The second part of this mystery is that we are predestinated for. The second part is something that God says we are predestinated for. Now, again, we have to understand this predestination is not God choosing who can be saved and who cannot be saved. No, The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not, God is not saying that he has chosen who can be saved and who can be lost. No, no, no. But he's saying those who are in him, those who are in Jesus Christ, he has predestinated us for something. There is something that he desires for us, for all of those who are in Jesus Christ. This is that predestination that he's speaking about. There is something that he has predetermined. He's predetermined this, right? I don't know if you've ever... Um, uh, we, we enjoy having people over to our house and... Um, the, the one thing that my wife is, uh, you know, always thinks about whenever we're having somebody over is, what am I going to feed them, Right? How many of you ladies know what I'm talking about? You're going to have some, what am I going to feed him, right? And so what do you do? You figure out what it is you're going to feed him, right? Maybe it's going to be lasagna, or maybe it's going to be tacos, or what it is. And so before they ever get there, right, before they ever arrive at the house, you have predetermined what they're going to eat, right? That's why you've got it ready. You've got the meat ready. You've got the cheese ready. Uh, you've got, you know, my, I, I took my wife out the other day uh, for a date, and uh um, we went to, we went to Olive Garden and, uh, the, the waitress comes up and she's like, would you like cheese? 
you know how they have little cheese gray thing. Would you like cheese? I'm like, you don't have enough cheese in this place for what I want, you know? I mean, we want to talk about cheese, you know? She's like, just tell me when. I'm like, it'll be a while, lady. You want to go get another block? You know, because it's going to be a while. And she's like, you're really serious, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, buddy, I am, right? You know? Hey, I'm telling you, I have predetermined that I'm going to have some cheese on whatever it is you're giving me, right? So we, it's, it's predetermined, right? And this is what God's saying. For those that are willing to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, he has predetermined something for them, right? And this is part of that mystery. This is, this, is what, this is what is absolutely amazing about this, right? Notice the first thing that has been predestined for those who are in him. Are you ready for this? An inheritance. That didn't get you going? How many of you, if I told you this morning, right, um, Steve Jobs, they found out what his will is. I I know the guy's been dead for a while. But, you know, they opened up his will, and they found out that your name was somehow in that will, and you are now going to get, like, $500 million. How many of you would be like, oh, wow, that's really good? (laughs) No, not at all. You'd be like, what? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's when you're going to do cartwheels, right? You know, like $500 million. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I don't know how I made it in there, but I'm glad I'm in there, right? He says we have been predestined for an inheritance. Do you understand who this inheritance is coming from? It's not from Steve Jobs. It's not from Bill Gates. It's from God himself. There is an inheritance that he says he has predestined. He has predetermined for you and me who are in Christ. What an amazing God we serve. They just sang that song, right? Uh, How good God is. I mean, think about it. We don't even deserve to be saved. And yet, not only does he say, I will save you from your sins and forgive you of your sins, but I'm going to give you an inheritance. We're predestined for an inheritance. What is an inheritance? I don't know. My dad said I was out of it. Um... Um, an inheritance, it's something that is in, this was, I, I love this. This was the, this was the definition I looked up. I was like, okay, how do, how am I, how do you describe an inheritance? Right? So this was the definition in the dictionary of an inheritance, something that is inherited or the act of inheriting. <laughs> that was the definition. I was like, really? That's all you got. Right? So what is an inheritance? An inheritance is that the assets that are given to someone either at a specific time or at a person's passing, right? There is an inheritance, right? We were like, oh man, am I going to get an inheritance? You know, what is, what's my parents going to leave me? You know, everybody's still hoping for that long lost relative that's a millionaire, right? That's going to somehow leave us an inheritance, right? It's something that we receive at a specific time or at someone's passing, right? We receive assets. It could be, uh, it could be money. It could be, you know, a property, whatever it might be, but it's, there's an inheritance here. Now watch what he says in verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained again in whom, because we're in Jesus in whom, because we're in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance because we are in Christ Jesus. We receive an inheritance. Now, we receive this inheritance when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This is, this is what's amazing. God rewards us for something that we have not done. 
Do you understand that? God is rewarding us for something that we have nothing to do with. We, we had nothing to do with salvation. We had nothing to do with, with our sins being forgiven. He did all of it. And then he says, by the way, not only am I going to forgive your sins, not only am I going to give you salvation, but I'm also going to give you an inheritance. This inheritance. We don't deserve it, but it is something that he has predestinated to those in Christ. Think about it. To be called a child of God. To be called a child of God. To be able to call God our Father. That's, that's pretty big, friend. To be able to call God. We're, we're talking about not, not a God that someone has made up. We're talking about the God, our Father. To have a to have a home in heaven that Jesus Christ said, hey, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. He said, I'm making a place for you. I, I'm preparing a home for you. We can call God our father. Jesus Christ is creating a, a home for us in heaven to never have to worry about sin, to never have to worry about death, to never have to worry about sorrow again, to be with our savior and our God for all of eternity. Friend, you cannot ask for a greater inheritance than that. There's no great. Look, you can you could be in Steve Jobs will or Bill Gates or some rich person's will. And you know what's going to happen to that money? It's going to go away and you're going to die one day and you're going to leave it here. But this inheritance that God gives us is something that cannot be taken away. This is an eternal inheritance. Not just our sins are forgiven, but yet we have a home in heaven. We have be able to, the privilege to call God our father, that Jesus Christ is preparing a home for us. Who are we to deserve that? We're nobodies. And yet God says that he has predestined this for us. If you are in him, he says, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. You can't ask for a greater inheritance than that. But here's what's really interesting. Not only do we receive an inheritance, but we are an inheritance. We receive an inheritance. I mean, think about what, man, we have salvation. We have eternal life. We have a home in heaven. God is our father. Uh, Jesus Christ is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I mean, we have all these things. And then you can go back and look at the blessings that the father talks about earlier in the chapter. So we receive an inheritance, but we are an inheritance. You say, wait a minute, what? I, I, it says there in whom we have obtained an inheritance. I understand that we have received an inheritance. But how do you get that we are an inheritance? And whose inheritance are we? Look, in, look down in verse number 18. Same chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 18. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He says in verse number 11, we are an inheritance, but in, or we receive an inheritance. But in verse 18, he says, we are an inheritance. We're an inheritance. Well, whose? Whose inheritance are we? Are we? we, the saints, 
are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. We are his inheritance. I want you to think about that for a second. God says we, the saints, again, understanding what Paul is saying. When, when, when Paul talks about that in verse number one and verse number two about the saints, he's not talking about people that have, that have died and somehow a church has made them saints. No, we understand that a saint is anyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says the saints, those who are saved, those who are in Christ are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? How many many of you would say that the inheritance that we receive as a child of God, home in heaven, eternal life, our our God being our father, I mean, all these different things, we would say that's, that's pretty valuable. You think that's, how many of you agree that's pretty valuable? That's pretty valuable, right? Eternal life a home in heaven, a glorified body, right? Wouldn't that be great to have a glorified body? You can do cartwheels all you want down the streets of gold, right? (laughs) Having a glorified body to live forever with God, I'd say that's pretty valuable. But now I want you to think about this. In the same way that we would say that inheritance that we receive is valuable. What's he saying? We are an inheritance. You understand what he's saying? He's saying, we are valuable. Now, look, friend, I'm not saying we're valuable monetarily. I'm not saying we're valuable and man, look, look at the gifts and the talents and the abilities I have. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what we're saying here. I mean, you can, you can be like, man, check out my bank account preacher. I am not valuable. I, I don't have a whole lot. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what he's saying. He says, You are valuable. You are so valuable to him that he was willing to give his life for you. He he says you are so valuable that even though he has saved you and even though he has given us an inheritance, he says, you're so valuable. He says, I want you as my inheritance. He says, we are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. I mean, not only do we get an inheritance, but we get to be an inheritance, the inheritance of Jesus Christ himself. Look, can I tell you something? If I was God, I think I could find something maybe a little bit more valuable than me. But he says, no, Andrew, I want you. I want you to be part of my inheritance. And every single person that is in Jesus Christ doesn't matter what language you speak, whether they're, whether they're deaf and they have to sign with their hands, whether they're Chinese, whether they're African, whether they're Russian, whether they're, whether they're Latin, whatever it is, God says, any person that is in Christ, any person that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are we predestined to receive an inheritance, but he says we are an inheritance. We're his. Now, friend, you cannot, you cannot walk out of this room to say out of this room today and say well i'm just not important to god i just don't matter to god no friend you matter greatly to him and if you're here this morning and you don't know jesus christ as your savior 
Do you understand that he gave his life for you? He died on the cross to forgive you of your sins because that's the only way your sins can be forgiven. You can't be forgiven by being baptized. You can't be forgiven by joining a church. You can't be forgiven by being a good person. You cannot be forgiven by any of those things. It is only through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, after he says, I go and prepare a place for you, Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, there's only one way. It's not a church. It's not a religion. It's not a denomination. It's through Jesus Christ. That's why he says, in whom Not in what, in whom, in Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We receive an inheritance and we become his inheritance because he says, you are valuable. You're valuable to Jesus Christ. So because we are his inheritance, he tells us that he has a purpose for us. You see, here's the second thing we find out about this predestination. Not only does he tell us that we have an inheritance, we're predestined for an inheritance, but we're also predestined for a purpose. We're predestined for an inheritance, but we're also predestined for a purpose, for a purpose. Again, remember, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, right? He's writing to the church of Ephesus, but remember, The church is made up of what? The church is not made up of two-by-fours and and lights and things like this. That's the building. The church is made up of who? Born-again believers. The saints, right? That's who the church is. When Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, he's not writing to a building. He's writing to the people that are in the building. That's the church, right? You don't have to have a building to have a church. You just have to have people. Because you can have a building and not have a church. It's not the building, it's the people, those who are saved, those who are born again in Jesus Christ, right? And so he's writing to the church of Ephesus here, and the church, of course, he's writing to is made up of born-again believers. So think, about, think with me about this. The only way for the church to fulfill God's purpose is if you and I as individuals are fulfilling our purpose that he has for our life. The only way that the church in general as a body of believers can fulfill the purpose God has for them is if every one of us as Christians who are part of the church are fulfilling God's purpose. He said, hey, I want you to know you are predestined for an inheritance, but you're also predestined for a purpose, for a purpose. Now watch this. Look in verse number 11 again. He says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now watch this. His purpose, this purpose that we are predestinated to, is after his will. Do you understand what that means? He's saying it is after the counsel of his own will, this purpose that he has for our life. He says, I know what the purpose is, right? I know what the purpose is. I have predestinated you for this purpose. But here it is. The purpose is after my will, not yours. You understand what he's saying? 
We are predestinated for a purpose after his will. And here's the first thing that we have to understand about his purpose for us. His purpose for us is after his will, not mine. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say these words with me. His will, not mine. Say that with me. His will, not mine. Come on, all together. Ready? His will, not mine. That's his purpose for you. His will, not yours. Say it one more time. His will, not mine. Now let me ask you a question. Did you really mean that? Or did you just say it because I told you to say it? (laughs) You see, and that's what's unfortunate. There are many Christians that are saying what God's purpose is, well, God, I'm glad I'm saved, and God, I'm glad I have an inheritance, but I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to choose to do what I want to do with my life. Wait, that's not what he said. He said we are predestinated for a purpose after his will. What is it? His will, not mine. His will, not mine. Think with me about this. I'm just going to read a few verses here and give you some scripture, and you can think about these. In Luke 22, verse number 42, what does Jesus say? Not my will, but thine be done. That's Jesus, by the way. Jesus said that to the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. In John 4, 34, he says, it is to do the will of him that sent me. In John 6, 38, he says, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. In John chapter 6, in verse number 40, this is the will of him that sent me. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21, but he that doeth the will of my father. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 50, whosoever shall do the will of my father. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, according to the will of God and our father. Do you understand what Jesus is trying to share, share with us in his word? Even Jesus himself said, hey, I want you to understand, it's not my will, but his will. Not my will, his will. You see, we kind of like to get that backward, right? Not his will, but my will. Not what you want, God. (laughs) Thanks for salvation. Thanks for a home in heaven. Thanks for the inheritance, but I'm going to spend it the way I want to. Sounds a little bit like the prodigal son, doesn't it? Right? Give me my inheritance. The father gives it to him. What does he do? He goes out and wastes it. There are many Christians wasting the inheritance that God has given to them. There are many Christians saying, God, I'm glad I'm I'm saved. I'm glad I got a home in heaven. But the purpose, I'm going to figure out what my purpose is. I'm going to do what I want in my life. Our purpose in life shouldn't be what we want. It shouldn't be what career path I think is best for me or what path is going to benefit me the most. It should be what is his will for my life. Why? Because it's his will, not mine. His will, not mine. Again, look at what he says. He says, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. This, this purpose, he says, I have a purpose for your life. I have a purpose. I have a plan for your life. Are you willing to trust me? Isn't it amazing? We're willing to trust God for our salvation. We're willing to trust God to forgive our sins. We're willing to trust God for a home in heaven, but we can't trust him for tomorrow. I just don't know if I can trust him with this job. I just don't know if I can trust him with my finances. I just don't know if I can trust God that, you know, that he really knows what's best for me. 
you do understand we're talking about God. God, the creator of the universe, that knows everything, and we can't trust him? You know what we're saying? Not your will, but mine. And that's not what he says. His will, not mine. You see, we are predestinated for a purpose, and this purpose is after his will. What is it that God wants for your life? What is it that God wants for your life? You know what's sad is many Christians don't even know what God wants for their life. You say, Pastor, can you really know what God wants for your life? Yes, absolutely you can. You say, how do I know that? It's all throughout his word. It's all throughout his word. You know what God wants? He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants a relationship. He wants you to be able to call him your father. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to save you from your sin. That's what his will is. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is his will for your life? You say, well, when I talk about that, when people talk about that, I just think that they're talking about, you know, do I have to be a preacher? Do I have to be a missionary? Something like that. Look, that's not God's will for everybody. It's not God's will for everybody to be a a pastor or to be a missionary or something like that. That's not God's will for everybody. I understand God can have some specific direction in somebody's life to be a pastor or to be a missionary or something like that. But that's not the only area that God says he wants us to follow him in his will. You understand, he wants to have that daily walk with you. You know what part of God's will is? Is getting in the word of God and studying his word every day. Walking with him in prayer. Being a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ wherever you are. Making sure that your mouth and your actions and your speech line up with what God says. That's part of his will. We just get this idea, well, if, I'm, if I surrender to what God's will is, I'm going to be a preacher. Well, one, what's wrong with that? Now, be careful what you say. <laughs> what's wrong with being a preacher? If that's what God's called you to do. Look, I, I didn't want to be a preacher. That wasn't my desire. That wasn't my purpose. That wasn't my will for my life. I had other plans. But can I tell you this? I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change what God has called me to do. You say, well, you know, if, if I surrender to God's will, he might call me to be a missionary. Well, again, what's wrong with that? Why would we think that whatever God's calling us to do is somehow negative? Hello? If God's calling us to do something, that's the greatest thing you can do for God. You understand that? If God has said, hey, this is what I want you to do, that is the greatest thing that you can do then. There's nothing negative about it. Well, God just, God, you know, God wants me to, you know, I just haven't been called to preach and I just haven't been called to be a missionary. So, you know, maybe God's just calling me to, to work at my job and just be faithful. Great. Do it. If that's where God puts you, man, be the best Christian you can be there at your job. Man, be the best Christian you can be in your neighborhood. Be the best Christian you can be around those people that you know. Man, do what God wants. There's nothing negative about it. He has called us for a purpose according to his will. What is that purpose? Man, we're to, we're to follow him. We're to, we're to know him more. We're to be more like Jesus Christ each and every day. You see, that purpose is after his will. But watch this. Look in verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory 
who first trusted in Christ. You see, not only is the purpose after his will, but the purpose of our life is to praise him. I wonder if we were to go back this week and look at every hour that you had this week. Every hour, every minute, every second throughout this whole week. Not just when you were in church and revival. I'm talking about every day. Would it praise him? Or would there be things in this past week that you'd be like, I don't really want anybody to know about that. I, no, no, I, I can't. Let, let's not to go back this week. Let's not go back this month. Let's not talk about what happened this year already. No, 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 we don't, we don't want to go there. Then friend, may I ask you why? Because his purpose, this is part of this predestination, his purpose for our life is to praise him in all we do. Not just at church, not just when we sing songs, to God be the glory and praise him, praise him. No, 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 no. In every aspect of our life, God's desire is that we praise him. That means when we're at home, what we do in our home ought to praise him. At work, what we do at work ought to praise him. In our neighborhood, what we do in our neighborhood ought to praise him. When we're alone and nobody else is around, it ought to praise him. Why? Because that's what we are predestined to do. God says we've been predestined to receive an inheritance. We've been predestined for a purpose, and that purpose is to praise him. Why? Because that's his will. That's his will for our life. I mean, think about this. Do we understand that God does not exist to satisfy the wishes of believers? We exist to glorify God, not vice versa. We get this idea that somehow God is here to grant me all the wishes that I want. No, no. You are here as a Christian to glorify God in all that you do. That is your purpose here. The fact that God would take a wicked sinner and save them from their sin and judgment will, will, ought to cause us to want to praise him, to lift up the name of Jesus because of what he's done for us. Think about this in Revelation chapter 7. These are verses that speak about the latter end or the end times, if you wanted to call it that. But think about what he says in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. That's Jesus Christ, by the way. Clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne. And unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell down before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. What are they doing? They're they're surrounding the throne and they're glorifying God. They're glorifying the Son. Revelation 19.1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. 
You understand, we are created. We were made to praise him. And we sinned. We chose to reject God. But in his love and in his mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us and forgive us of our sins. And then he says, not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to give you a home in heaven. I'm going to give you a purpose for life. And that purpose is according to his will to praise him. You know why? Because one day we get to do that for all of eternity. We get to do that. We're going to be around the throne praising him and saying hallelujah and glory to our God. But you know what he wants? He wants us to do that now. In every aspect of our life, no matter what it might be, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, whether it's your personal life, whatever it might be, he wants our purpose to be according to his will. Are we yielded to him whatever he wants? Because when that happens, then we're able to lift up the name of Jesus. It's kind of hard to praise him when we're being disobedient to him. It's kind of hard to praise him when we're saying, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I just want to live my life the way I want to live it. It's kind of hard to praise him. But he said, that's what our purpose is. This is pre- God said, if you are in Christ, this is what he wants for your life. Again, think about what he says. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance because we're in Christ. We have received an inheritance. We are his inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. A purpose according to his will. And through that, when we are obedient to what he wants for us, it brings praise to God. To the praise of that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you desire to praise him? Do you desire to bring glory to God in your life, in all that you do? If not, if not, if this morning you're saying, I just, I just haven't had that desire to bring glory to God, then here's my question for you. Why? Why not? Maybe this morning it's because you're not saved. Maybe it's because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never accepted Christ, it's going to be really hard to glorify God. Maybe this morning you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here and you say, Pastor, that, man, I, I think I've lost that as well. I've lost that desire to praise him. Maybe it's because we're not fulfilling his purpose for our life. We've got so consumed with our purpose. Remember, it's his will not mine. What is it? It's his will, not mine. Maybe that's why we're not praising him because it's not his will. Jesus said over and over and over, not my will, but thine be done. His will, his will, his will, his will. Even in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was there knowing what was coming in the crucifixion, he prays, father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. His will, not mine. When we have that backwards, my will, not his, it's really hard to praise him. It's really hard to bring glory to him. And he says, hey, I've saved you. I've forgiven your sins. I've given you an inheritance and I've given you a purpose. What are you going to do with it? You're going to squander the inheritance, just waste it, not do anything with it, not tell anybody else about it? 
What about the purpose for your life? Are you going to follow His will? Or are you going to just keep doing your will? Are you going to bring praise to Him in all that you do? Or are you just going to keep being disobedient and there's no praise at all? He said, this, is a, this was a mystery. He said, they didn't know about this. And Paul is writing to the church saying, this is, this is amazing that we who were lost without Jesus Christ, that God would be willing to give us an inheritance. And not only that, but God has a purpose and a plan for our life. What an amazing God we serve. You know what? He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to give us an inheritance. He doesn't have to have a purpose for us. But we're valuable. You're valuable. God says, I have something special for you. I have something special for each person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. You say, I don't consider myself valuable. Maybe not, but God does. And he has something special for you. One with their heads bowed and her eyes closed. No one looking about this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're watching via live stream. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Friend, can I tell you this morning, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was willing to shed his blood to forgive you of your sins. And that's why he says here in this verse, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I don't know, honestly, if I died, I don't know where I would go. Nobody else is looking about, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning, friend. I'm not going to call you out or anything. I just, I would like to pray for you, though. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pastor, I'm not sure where I would go if I died. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Anybody this morning, just slip it up and put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. Slip it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. And Christian, can I ask you? You're predestined. You're predestined. If you're in Christ, you're predestined. You've received an inheritance. We can thank God for that. We are an inheritance. We're valuable to Him. And He has a purpose for our life. Are you fulfilling His purpose for your life? Is it His will, not mine? Or have we got that backwards? God, thank you for saving me, but I'll take it from here. And I'll, I'll do what I want to do. No, friend, that's not his purpose. According to his will. Are you glorifying him and praising him in all that you do in your life? At your workplace, at your family, at your home, at church, wherever it might be in your personal life? Are you living in a way that would bring glory and honor to him? Is he valuable to us? You see, we were so valuable to him that he was willing to send his son 
to die on the cross and give us an inheritance and a purpose. But is he valuable enough to us that we'd be willing to say, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do because I want to glorify you in all that I do in my life. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, may we desire, Lord, to follow your purpose. Lord, may we desire to glorify and praise you in all that we do in our lives. Not just when we meet together as a church body, but Lord, in every aspect. For the church cannot fulfill its purpose unless we as individual believers are fulfilling our purpose. Father, would you work in the invitation? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.